Good morning, love. Okay. Went down to Ephesians <laughs> and read into First John and then came back and uh, got into Ephesians, tw- I mean, excuse me, got into Exodus 25. And I was listening and then it went, you know, through to Exodus 28. And I thought, have I really heard it at all? And I went back again. Listening again, the poles made of acacia wood for the table, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I thought, okay, well, now the poles that are one, it says in they're all one, they're all together, and they're not to be moved from it, they are a part of the sanctuary, just like the showbread and connected to the showbread, but they're not the showbread. They're different, right? Paul talked about, you know, some of you are the arm and some the leg and some the nose and some the ear and some the eye of the body of Christ. We are the sanctuary and we make up different, I don't want to use the word pieces, but different parts of the sanctuary. And what I was sensing is We are experiencing a kind of a north and south, east and west, let's say north and south discussion as people disagree on how to lead the nation. And let's just say there were, you know, 50 pieces to the sanctuary. We, we, We could then, if we were in alignment, be 50 united pieces, right? We're called to be one nation. United States. How do you do that if you don't agree? And it dawns on me that, you know, it requires something that is not easy. It requires a humbling. And when I say a humbling, I don't mean us humbling somebody, you know, I'm going to humble you. It, it requires us humbling ourselves. And <laughs> when you do that, you might think, well, they're not humbling themselves. <laughs> How are we going to be united if I humble me, but you don't humble you? Well, we are all of us who belong to Christ Jesus coming to <clears throat> everywhere God wants us. And many of us have been receiving great revelation, but not the whole thing, not the whole picture. I don't know if you've ever looked at a jigsaw puzzle and all the pieces are there, but you have no idea how they go together and you're looking for some connection. You're looking for pieces that actually look like they belong together, whether because they are colored the same way or because they are shaped the same way, right? Mm. Praise you, Jesus. We have affinity groups. That's what our political parties are. And that's not easy to admit that these are just folks who agree with me, you know? And there are many of us who are not a member of a political party. Someone said last week, um, Jesus 2020. Like, let's put Jesus on the ballot. 
Talk about a Christian nation, huh? Well, praise you, Lord. My dad once told me when I was dealing with people who were acting in ways that I just didn't even know how to even get my head around. It was just, whoa, what is that? He said, you know, you're going to have to be the parent. I thought, well, now that's pretty condescending. He said, no, no, there's always a parent. Okay. Um, And when someone is upset, the room, the space, the conversation needs a parent. Hmm. Okay. Well, I had an experience recently where somebody needed a parent. I didn't get it at first and I was trying to explain and it wasn't working and I thought, well, let me explain again. It didn't work. I thought, well, let me explain it like this and it didn't work and I thought, I don't, I mean, I don't know them very well. I don't know how to do this. And through a series of things, the Lord showed me they need a parent. And so I then approached them from a different way. And it was literally like, wow, wow. Yeah, it's like what some of my clients say, right? When they come back from a session and they've, you know, addressed something or um, implemented something and come back and gone basically like, that worked, you know, that was great. It really worked. And I think this whole parenting thing It's really about who's got the love in the room, right? Who's got the love of God in the room? Who's expressing Christ Jesus? Because that person is going to unify and, how do I say it, Lord? And help us be motivated to humble ourselves. When you get so convinced of something, whatever it is, um, you're kind of done. You know, I am not trying to listen to you. I don't want to hear it kind of a thing. And as I hear people on both sides of the political aisle, people who maybe even five years ago were not either in a party, on a side of the party, or so extreme as I believe they are now, or as they may be now. But listening to them, some of them are just, wow, right? And you think, well, when you say being a parent or bringing love into the room or letting Jesus have his way, is that also saying you're going to be lukewarm? And I would say no, This is where it gets hard, right? I I feel like some of the strong feeling, okay, um, that is being expressed today by both sides is actually pretty lukewarm to the gospel. That is so hard to hear because when you think lukewarm, you think "Eh, they're neither here nor there. Meh, meh, I don't know. 
But when Jesus talked about spitting you out, right, to one of the churches and being lukewarm, I also think about when he said there's going to be sheep and goats and the sheep are going to love his brothers and sisters who are the least of his brothers and sisters. And the goats won't. (laughs) They won't. Well, that might even sound obvious politically. Okay, so basically you're saying, love the poor, feed the hungry, then I'll be like Jesus and forget about fiscal responsibility, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? No, I would say from your perspective, you know, speaking your language, right, looking through your eyes, who's least? That's what I got years ago, 2006, 7, 8. I was writing and I saw not a, not just the them thing, but I saw this sense of whoever's across a cubicle or next door or across the street or in a different country can look like an enemy when they're not. And I may have mentioned in an earlier post, I don't know if it's published, about how when 9-11 happened, I just wondered, why are they so mad at us? What happened? You know, what happened? Like, because I didn't even know, you know, some of the big stuff going on in the politics, but I just thought, what on earth? What happened? And, uh, and so I would just say, who do you say is the least? Who do you call the least? You know, the Lord says the least will, the last will be first and the first will be last. Haven't you so often assumed that meant all of the people living on the fringes of the world? But I wonder if it also means just the people who in each of our worlds, right, have been least, where we've been the Abraham and they've been the, uh, what was the name, Lazarus. There's a story in the Bible where Abraham lives with riches and, uh, gosh, I got tears there. And Lazarus, I think he was leprous. And, uh, and Abraham had no time for Lazarus, whatever, you know? And then at the end of days, Lazarus was with, in the bosom of Abraham, um, what was that other it was it was his name Abraham? I'm sorry, hon, I don't remember the name of the the people. Um, but there was one guy who was super wealthy and had everything he needed, and one guy who had nothing and not only that, but he was a mess physically. And the guy who had everything had no time for the guy who had nothing, basically, okay? So I would say the guy who had everything was not a great neighbor. That's how I want to put that. And when Jesus came, it was the guy who had not gotten the neighborly affection or the dinner or the trip to the doctor or whatever, hadn't gotten an ear, hadn't gotten forgiveness, um, hadn't gotten advocacy, whatever it is, you know, um, hadn't gotten somebody to cross the political divide uh, for their sake. We are peacemaking part of our identity and that's not about forsaking your doctrine but it is about asking the Lord how have you made me a restorer 
and a repairer. Can you feel that? How, God, how? Well, thank you, Lord. Mm, I feel that. Praise you, Jesus. I think that the enemy's schemes are sneakier than we think. Whether you are extreme or moderate, you know, whether you believe in peace for all men and women and children or, excuse me, want to help the end along, you know, <laughs> um, I think it's still not the easiest thing. You know, what's interesting is, let's say you're a lover. Let's say you love to give and understand and forgive, etc. Who's the least to you? Is it you? If you're pouring out to the nations, or you're pouring out to your family, you're pouring out to your children, or you're pouring out to your church, or you're pouring out at work, or wherever, whatever you're doing, whatever you're about, whatever you say is your treasure, what's your trash? I don't, I'm not talking about sin, I'm not talking about, you know, I don't know. what isn't of the Lord as far as um, spiritual, right? But in the material, what have you called trash? And maybe not even material, right? Because we indeed are spirit. But who do you call trash? And let's say you say, no, I don't call me trash. Okay. Do you love you like you love others? You go, huh. Let me think on that. Well, um, maybe not. How many people have told me, oh, T.I., I have such a hard time receiving. Or, it's so easy when I give, but, chuh. And that doesn't necessarily even mean bonbons. It could be criticism. You might be really good at telling people where they ought to go and what they ought to do, but do you receive that same thing, right? Are you loving yourself in that same way? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's say you say, absolutely, I do. As a matter of fact, yes, I do. Then I'd have another question for you. Is your love for people and is your love for yourself subject to your love for God? And when I say the love for people, I include spiritual nation. And I recognize some people believe that the United States is a spiritual nation, a kind of Israel, right? And when we bless Israel or talk about Israel, that's just got a lot there, right? That's got Jacob there, and that's formerly Jacob there. It's got, um, as a person whose name became Israel, it's got the place Israel, that location on the map. It's got the people right? Israel, those tribes, those 12 tribes. Um, and then spiritually, it's, it's all the people who say yes to Christ. That's what we're taught. That all of the people of God in Christ Jesus are spiritual Israel. So blessing Israel is a great thing. 
um, and blessing the the nation that you call God's people, that's a great thing. Blessing the church right then becomes a great thing. And so if everybody's a temple, then blessing every single temple is a great thing. But is God above all? So could you forsake man, woman, child, for God? You go, well, God wouldn't ask me to do that. He would never do that. Mm, ask Abraham. He not only left his father, but almost sacrificed his son. Frankly, the only one he didn't um, get a word to sacrifice, his wife was the one he really tried to give away, right? That's just probably the curse, right? That's <laughs> just... Um, so let's say you, you love people and you love yourself and it's all subject to God in Christ. I'm going to go one step further. Have you welcomed the movement of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that God is not just in the text, but he actually illuminates the text for you through his spirit? He opens the words up to you. He wakens you to what he means in this particular moment, because next week he may mean something to, to do with that moment. And that movement, that capacity you have for comprehension or implementation or being nourished and comforted and right blessed and even healed, all of that is work of the Holy Spirit. That's fruit of his activity and presence and teaching, his help. Well, his friendship, right? He's a suitable helper for you. He's a a great friend, um, and one available at all times for you. And, uh, you know, he came with tongues of fire and was known as a dove. And so his work can be highly unpredictable. God says in Isaiah 55, I go back to a lot, that his ways are not our ways. And it says nobody knows the mind of God, except we have the mind of Christ, Right? And so we're granted by grace, <clears throat> awareness and uh, knowledge of God and his ways, his will, his word, who his son is, right? His word and who we are because of it, the beloved and <clears throat> the beloved, all by the Holy Spirit. And so <clears throat> to live in the grace of God, in the fullness that we've been um allotted or privileged is to be awake to the Holy Spirit to whatever degree God wakens you from glory to glory more and more. And that will include miracles, right? That will include the prophetic. That will include people's mouths opening and saying things they only know because God told them. And all of these territories I'm talking about, right? The space you personally occupy, the land, the people that are around you, the heavens, God in his heaven and Christ on his throne, you know, Christ being your king. Um, And then the Holy Spirit who just permeates it all um, and brings God in Christ Jesus to us, delivers him 
in that way um, and fulfills our heart, right? With their residence and sovereignty and reigning, amen, and calling us to reign with them. Uh, It is my belief that this love that we're called to changes our perspective on absolutely everything and everyone and every era and every look in the mirror that mirror first of course being the bible right and then that mirror being that glass where you you know figure out how to do your tie or you know whether you need mascara or something so with all of that said started with the poles of acacia wood for the table and the showbread. And there are all of these things that God said he wanted the people to donate so that they could be the the sanctuary. These things could be the sanctuary. They could be purchased. You know that pearl of great price? We give it all up for that. We give it all up for our Prince of Peace. And I just want to invite you to Jerusalem. I want to invite you to your innermost being, to your Holy of Holies, where Jesus belongs. Um, and I want to invite you to experience like to invite, to experience, to enjoy that, that relationship, um, that union and communion. And it's because it's my belief that from your Jerusalem, experiencing its wall being, I'm hearing all these strength words, fortissimo and fort and but those aren't the words I'm wanting, Um, strengthen, let's just say, or built, right, or repaired. Um, And your walls of Jericho coming down. You know, the Lord speaks to me of John 3.30 or 3.33, where it says, less of you and more of me. That's just our whole life, amen. Less of us and more of Jesus. So that Jerusalem wall is our peace rising and that Jericho coming down is all that's not of the Lord really letting go of us and us letting go of it. Allowing that work makes all this other with other people, with the Lord, the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, how we treat our bodies, um, how we live in the world just makes it all flow, frankly. And I just want to invite us into Jerusalem. Not that we don't have work to do, right, out in the world, but just given some of the challenges I'm hearing from people who are living so extreme that they almost sound um, like they're panting with a rage a fervent rage and I have love for you love that is growing 
daily, I pray. And I'm, so I'm not calling you to follow every word I say, amen. In fact, in this year of the prophetic, my strong sense is that we are not only called to speak, but that the mask has had its own purpose. We need to breathe, right? It's been another theme of the year that people haven't been able to breathe. But I'll tell you, I remember Kenny Loggins having a song. I think it was called Conviction of the Heart. Now, mind you, I don't know if he was a believer and if all of his words come into alignment with the gospel, but he did talk about angry air. Angry air. And something interesting in a political season. Now, mind you, it's possible that the coronavirus could have just passed right by us. I've heard testimony of fires and winds, storm winds, just going right by somebody as if they didn't even exist and it never touched them. And it could have missed us. But because we have had to do some adjusting, not only were we in our own homes and focused on taking care, but then when we needed to be out and about, we were invited to care for one another, right? Wearing the mask wasn't just for you, it was very much for the person who would otherwise be receiving your droplets or your spittle as you spoke. And who knew, right, that we were sharing so much when we talked. But in fact, in sound theory, you learn about how we speak and what we say is so powerful. We are all learning. And I think that if we did not have the masks at all, oh my, some of the things that might have been said by anybody, everybody. There was definitely a tamping of all of us with our lockdowns and our mask wearing. But it is still the year of the prophetic. And praise God, he speaks and is speaking. And I just want to invite you to listen and keep listening and then ask him, you know, is there something I'm not listening to that you are still saying? Have I refused to hear you in a way? Because of the culture that I'm from or because of my experience or because of things I've heard or because of things I've thought or because of my feelings or because of things I just want. Help me to hear all that you are saying. Give me all the lamb and all the lion, Lord Jesus. Amen. And I believe that if we heed this, it will revolutionize our communication. People will get a whole bunch more of the Lord and a whole lot less of what might otherwise be unfruitful unhelpful, untimely. It's a good time for us to seek the Lord on what he would have us to say. And then, praise God, say it. Say it. If you are the pole that holds the table, be it. If you're the showbread, be it. If you're the table itself, if you're the mercy seat, be it.
If you're a cherubim, be it. You know, be it. It's a good day for that. In Jesus' name.